0: The Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to a special guest edition of the SpotTrack.com podcast. My name is Paul Peck with the founder and operator and chief guru of SpotTrack.com, Mike Giannetti, Our regular third wheel, Kevin Sylvester, will join us again next week. But, Mike, we're excited for this because we have a really special guest, one of the more high-profile guests we've ever had on the Spot Track podcast, and that's a tribute to all the good work that you're doing that people such as our guest today want to be a part of this.
1: Yeah, really excited. We're going to have Jaguar's active GM, General Manager David Caldwell.
0: So. Our first active NFL GM <laughs> right. guest on the Spot yeah. Track podcast, and and that'll be great. We're going to talk to Dave a lot about his job, and as simple and as everyone may sort of think they know what a general manager does. I think Dave's going to talk to us a little bit about some of the things that go into his job, um, some of the ways the job has changed over the years, and I think that's those are going to be pretty significant as well.
1: Yeah, there's there's so many questions we can ask, right? I and mean, we can get specific with some players and you know things like that. Obviously, the draft, we'll talk about that. You know, free agency as a whole—it's—it's it's an interesting time in Jacksonville right now as well, right? They've got a big quarterback change, uh, maybe a defense that's on its last leg that needs to get changed over in the next year and a half or so. So, his role is going to be integral to sort of rebuilding this thing on the fly now that Nick Foles is in the fold. So. You know, lots of things we can get into. Uh, obviously, though, the role of the GM just right now seems impossible. It does. Right? A so it's really exciting to have a guy like him on just to, just to speak to that to some degree. You know, he started in 2013, which we'll get to, but it, the game has changed immensely in the past six years really
0: you know just as you said that I'm, I'm kind of wondering he has to be in the upper echelon of longevity at NFL because NFL jams don't <laughs> always last six years nor do they always get the chance to do what you talked about which is sort of rebuild and restructure a team that, that doesn't happen very often he, he like I said he's been there a long time he's had a chance to see a lot of different things so uh and we'll, plus he's a scouted heart so we'll talk a little bit about the scouting process as well too. Of course the spottrack.com podcast is brought to you by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. We believe in empowering professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge that they need to make informed decisions about their finances and wealth. To learn more go to morganstanley.com/gse Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC member SIPC. It's our special guest edition of the SpotTrack.com podcast with Jacksonville Jaguars general manager, David Caldwell. Well, for six years, Dave Caldwell has been the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and going back to that, he started his NFL career in the mid-'90s under his protege Bill Polian with Carolina Panthers and then with the Indianapolis Colts and spent some time with the Atlanta Falcons as well, too. A lot of it in the college scouting, but then has made the transition to being an NFL general manager. And from Jacksonville, Mike, we're excited to have Dave join us on the line. Dave, thanks for a couple minutes of your time at what would qualify as sort of the only slight downtime of the nfl year right
2: yeah well this is my favorite time of year I, I always call this we work uh normal normal hours each time of year so a little eight to five and i uh, get to watch the team still be around football but still get to get home and uh play with uh, my son and, and hang out with my wife for a little
0: bit. I think that just to get us started, Dave, and then Michael pick it up from here is just the, the thought occurred to me that, you know, as I mentioned, you go back to starting your NFL career in the mid nineties uh, in on the, on the scouting end and you've seen and done and been a part of a lot of change in the NFL from then. So the easy question, I guess, is what's been the biggest change uh, in the way the NFL does business at your level as a scout, as a general manager, as administrator, in in your course of time in the league? What are a couple things that jump out at you?
2: Well, there's many, There's many. to be honest with you. I I remember actually when I first got into scouting, the path to being a general manager was through being maybe a pro scout or through a salary cap because the salary cap was relatively new and, and not a lot of people understood it and it was complicated. So you needed a person that to really understand the salary cap And then as time progressed, people realized they need talent and, uh, and that's where the college scouting came in, in the fold. And when they hired my boss in Atlanta, Thomas Dimitrov, who was a longtime area scout and road scout, he, uh, you know, hired me as his, uh, director of college scouting. And soon a lot of owners started to follow path and and hired the the people that were the talent evaluators and, and realized that they can hire people to maybe do the salary cap and that stuff. And. And teach the the road scouts on a, a lot of that aspect. On a bigger on a bigger note, just the evaluation process has really become a lot more efficient. Um, I remember when I first started scouting, Dominelli used to talk about his uh, his film that they used to have to piece together, and they used to have to bring their own projectors. And I'm like, wow. Well, we're telling the same stories about beta tapes and VHS tapes to to our scouting assistants now, where now it's all uh, it's all video and it's all uh, streamlined online. So. It's become a lot easier going in the schools. You can have a lot of your video done before you go into a school visit. And um, really just going to schools, getting background character and seeing the players live.
1: One of the areas where I'm sure hasn't changed too much outside of the analytics and the numbers, right, is the draft. I, you, I'm sure there's still a process in place that you've been doing for, for a long time now, even though your role may have changed. When do you get to a point in the year... Leading up to the draft, where your your whiteboard, your draft board is sort of finalized. You 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 feel prepared, ready to ready for that draft.
2: Yeah, usually about the second week in April. Um, you we have a good. We've already started on next year's draft, so our, mm-hmm. our scouts have started this January. So it's about an eighteen month process. So by the time uh, we hit training camp, we'll have you know a top two hundred guys and and the draft evaluated by all of our area scouts and our directors. And, and uh, I'll do a large portion of, portion of those guys and, and start tracking those guys throughout the season. And then you get through All-Star Games Combine and then the pro workouts. And then by the time the first like, week of April, you've kind of narrowed it down to about 180 players. And you've, you've taken off your, your guys with medical concerns or your guys with uh, character concerns. And then you just kind of focus on those 180 guys and, and try to figure out, hey, who are the best seven, eight, nine guys that we can come on of this year's draft
1: with? Well, one of the areas, especially with the draft, and we've seen it increase over the past three years especially, is the use of the trade. Is that, is that because people are sort of figuring out the cap a little bit more internally because the trade is obviously a way to eliminate a lot of the dead cap. You can build your guaranteed salaries in. You can move that money down the road, send it off to somebody else. Is it a direct effect of understanding how the cap works a little bit more Understanding that the trade is an, is it maybe a, not only an easier way to build your team, but build your team for the future. Well, I just wanted your thoughts on why there's been an increase in trade so much over the past three years,
2: David. Well, I think the the size of contracts have become pretty aggressive, and I, and I think through free agency, and this is always the way it's been. It's hard for players to live up to that contract that they get in free agency especially when they're in the open market so when you get two three years down the road and you realize that the player may not be able to live up to the contract you can sometimes trade them if if it's structured in the right way um you know every team is in a different situation and there's different ways of structuring contracts where um you know if it's a short-term hit, if it's a young player if it's somebody that you're going to want around for a long period of time um you can do a heavy signing bonus contract if it's a Something where you know you want to go year to year, cash to cap. You can do a a, a deal that um, basically is, is is flat across it, and it, it really depends on on your team. When we were um, building this, you know, our first three four years, we 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 didn't you know do a lot of signing bonus proration um, because we, we knew that the players that maybe the first three or four years we were here probably wouldn't be here for the long term for us. And they're really just stopgap players until we can build through the draft and 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 kind of develop our own players. Now we're in a little bit different situation that right. that we we feel like we got some players that that you know we want at long term, and we went into free agency and, and
0: spent some money on guys in free agency like a class camel and guys that we feel good about. Every team, and you know, yours included, has a staff of people that handle the cap and do all the nuts and bolts negotiations. But as a general manager, some of that responsibility and guidance falls to you. So, how has the transition been from sort of your background as a personnel and a scout guy to what you've had to learn about knowing how the personnel part of it fits with? the money part of it, and that's probably never been more important than it is now. What's that part of your career been like?
2: Well, it, it, it's kind of like um, <laughs> I, I always say I, I'm a lot more cautious with somebody else's money than my money, so I like to be a lot more conservative with our owner's money than I would be with my money. But um, it's uh, it, it's it's challenging because there's a lot of money being, being placed on players that you're responsible for signing off on. So you really have to rely on the people that that do the contracts that that they do them and they structure them in the right way. And obviously, it, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's going to be my my job and, and Coach Coffin's job to sign off on those contracts. And um, you know, we just hope that um, they they stand the test of time, which so far the majority of ours have
0: was there ever a point maybe um you're at some point in your career where your the, the your internal part of your scout was fighting with your uh, in, your internal part of your money guy you know where you're like I want this player I love him I gotta have him where and maybe you're like yeah but I can't pay him what he supposedly wants I mean how do you how is is there a a, a moment that you remember about that and maybe to this day do you still battle with that a little bit Yeah.
2: That's a daily battle (laughs) to be honest with you. You know, even now where I'm looking at guys that are, you know, it's May and guys are free agents and there's guys that I know can maybe come in and help us, but maybe a little bit older than, than you want to spend money on. And, and you're like, well, should we take a chance? And, but we have some other things we need to take care of. And, and then there's a daily battle and it's, you know, um, somebody told me a while ago, you, you uh, I believe I Thomas Dimitrov or my former boss told me it's easy to just sit back and pick the best player available, but it's another challenge to put the team together and, and a lot of moving pieces on, um, it's like a game of Tetris. And, um, you know, you, you add one piece and you take one piece away and there's always a give and take with, uh, of, any player you sign
1: one of the areas where you definitely spent some money this offseason is in free agency is at the quarterback position uh, i wonder if you can just speak to the decision of going and getting a veteran quarterback versus addressing it in the draft
2: well we went through the whole process and and we knew pretty much uh, very well of the quarterbacks in the draft we, we've been studying those guys like i said for a long period of time even even towards the end of our season like we do every year and having a handle of what's going to be out there, and, and there were some very interesting prospects. The problem was we were picking at seven, and in February there's no guarantees of anybody that's going to be on your board at at the seventh pick. So we kind of weighed the um, whether or not we wanted to go with a veteran guy who's been proven, a, a guy that's proven he can win a Super Bowl and and be a Super Bowl champion that can lead and is a very productive quarterback or take our chances and maybe have to mortgage the future with draft picks to try to get up high in a draft to make sure we get the quarterback that we wanted. And uh, at the end of the day, we just felt like we were a team that, that was a veteran team. We still have a, a lot of pieces in place and to, to add a piece like Nick and uh, build around him was the
0: best uh, avenue to, to go. Is, uh, is picking quarterbacks, any different than it was when you got started in this league 20 years ago? Um, whether it's a rookie, whether it's a veteran, making a decision which one to go with, and 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 maybe there's just so much more focus on the position now. But but is it is it continue to be the biggest challenge for anyone in the NFL? Uh,
2: you know, the picking of, of them is not. It's the what happens next is is the challenge, and the the social media, the Twitter, the immediate reaction of of everybody has to put their stamp on what the player is going to be before the player even plays a game. And and we've seen that th- this year with some of the quarterbacks that were taken, it's like everyone's already deciding who's going to be a hall of famer, or who's going to be a bust. And, and you just got to let these young men play and, and then let them grow and let them mature. Every quarterback grows at their own rate. I've seen it where one player had a great rookie year and then, you know, kind of struggle the next two or three years. I've I've seen it where a player struggled his rookie year and and year two, he was okay. And year three, he had a great year. And you've seen players that sit the bench to rookie year and come out and have great second years. So um, I I think that being able to handle the media, the social media, that whole aspect of everybody trying to pigeonhole a player as to what his career is going to be is the most challenging aspect that more so than it was 20 years ago.
1: So obviously, you know, the area where most teams are deciding to take their quarterback is, you know, in the first round of the draft. We had a team this year select one for the second year in a row, right? The Cardinals. What does that mean? Did that surprise you? What does that mean for the current rookie wage scale? Does it mean that all bets are off? I mean, can you can you take a quarterback every year if you need to because of the way the rookie, rookie scale is is uh, structured right now?
2: Well, it's easier, um, you know, it's easier to do it um, than it has been back before this current, uh, rookie wage scale. It's not, I, I want to, I don't know if I would recommend doing it, but, but these were extreme circumstances I'm sure for, for the team that did it. And, uh, they just felt like the player that that they were going to select was going to be a difference maker. And, and it's hard to pass up a guy that you have a, a strong conviction for, um, you know, very special set of circumstances. Is it possible to do it? It's very possible to do it. And, with you, look at what the rookie quarterbacks are making. Um, you can make case that some of your highest paid backups are making that that type of money these days too throughout the length of the contract
0: you know we we live in such an instant world and and part of your you know your job is sort of dictated every sunday you know through across the fall but how much of your job has to be looking ahead how much do you spend time um beyond 2019 and thinking about what your team may look like or what you may need to do for your team in 2021 and beyond well it's
2: it's definitely twofold it's it's you want to put the best product on the field this year, because there are, as you know, in the NFL, just like you stated with the, the rookie quarterback, um, you know, there are no guarantees for 2020. And, uh, the, the goal is to, to win and to win. Now we spent a lot of time, you know, trying to lay, lay, a foundation here in Jacksonville, um, that paid dividends two years ago. Um, we, we struggled last year. So we need to get back to where we were two years ago when we played, uh, your hometown team, the Buffalo bills in the playoffs. And, uh, and continue to grow and, 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 and look at that. And we still have a, a period of time where we feel like we can be competitive and, and, uh, have
0: a, a talent base where we feel like, um, uh, we can win year in, year out. It, it's such a, uh, it, it's such a win now league. And it's such, like we said, a week to week league. How do you fight the ups and downs of, uh, the inevitable results through the course of a week or, or per practice, maybe even sometimes,
2: uh, Uh, I was going to make a joke about just going home and and self-medicating myself on some lab blue, but uh, the, uh, (laughs) the truth be told is I try to keep in perspective. Um, You know, this is a job. It's a job I'm very fortunate to have. And, uh, but I I got a lot of great friends, family that date all the way back to my time in Buffalo that keep me grounded. And um, I think that's the biggest thing is keeping in perspective and, and like I tell my my 12 year old son and my wife is to stay off social media and uh, just just focus on, you know, all the all the
0: positive things we have going on. Well, you brought it up and I'm curious to follow up on it is is social media has changed everything in all of our worlds in a lot of ways, politics and entertainment and movies and all that stuff. Um it's easy to say, and, and particularly for someone like you and even myself that kind of goes back to the pre-social media days, that's easy to say, ignore it, don't watch it, don't pay attention to it. Do you have to fight yourself sometimes on that? Do you, do you Are you dealing with things that come up because your fan base or your players are doing and saying things on social media that eventually you, you can't ignore them? Well, we have a
2: the key is to hiring good people. And we have a really good PR department here. You, you've talked with Tad and, and that's, that's their job and, and they monitor it they and they bring it to our attention of things that we need to, to be aware of. And um, I think that's the best way of doing it. And um, I, I, I defer to them on, on those topics. And uh, I think that that, that keeps me a little bit more sane.
0: Well, um, we appreciate a couple minutes of your time, Dave, and I know Mike does too. And and uh, Mike, uh, you know, Mike and I have talked a little bit. Mike, you can talk to this about how you admire what you've done down there in Jacksonville. And yeah. and uh, you know, Mike dives into these numbers way more than I do. And and I know you're you've been impressed with some of the things that have gone on there. Yeah,
1: yeah, this has been great, David. Appreciate your time. I know our audience is going to enjoy the little landscape you gave us with the GM role. It's uh, ever changing in a in a league that's fast paced. So we appreciate your time. Yeah.
0: I well, Appreciate you guys, and uh, give my best to the people back in Buffalo. Yeah, when you uh, if you back up here uh, to see the folks, uh, Mike, uh, oh, oh, he owes you a, a cup of coffee for, for doing this. So we'll, that'd be great. We'll that'd be great. It. Maybe it, maybe it, maybe maybe a Ted's hot dog. I, I'm pretty sure he could deliver on that. Dave, thank you very much. Good luck to the Jaguars this season. All right, guys. Well, there you go. Uh, one of the more high-profile guests we've ever had here on the SpotTrack.com podcast. Just an everyday guy trying to make a hundred ninety million dollars sailor cap work. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I uh, you know, I thought it was interesting just to get a little perspective on on what that job is, and it's a, it can be a thankless job, mm. and you know, I think in these days there's, you know, he talked about it, the instant reaction to everything. Yeah. You're a bum. You're a genius, uh, and that changes from one week you're a bum and the next week you're a genius.
1: I, I, I thought his uh, his answer was telling about his the social media aspect where you just have to essentially hire a team now, right? To to make that stuff all go away because yeah you can't have that influencing what you're no, doing you just no. can't you know you've got to be totally unbiased when you're making these decisions
0: yeah and 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 again that's where I think sometimes there's disconnect with the fans mm-hmm. and and you know they they want certain things or they want certain things to happen and and I don't want my general manager paying attention to that honestly I I, I go back to an old uh, to an old quote um from Marv Levy who said once you start listening to the fans you'll soon be sitting next to them and <laughs> and in a lot of ways that's it's not that you ignore your fan base because you can't do that and and you don't do that but your job is to make the decisions based on what you know and understand and not worry about what public sentiment uh, can sometimes be and and in this day and age it's never been easier to get what that public sentiment is one way or the other in your face
1: um the jaguars are so interesting and i wish we could have you know dove back in time a little bit with him but you know obviously we can't go too deep but think about where this team was 18 months ago. Yeah, Blake Bortles was almost beating the Patriots. Yeah, in the AFC yeah. Championship. I mean, and then you know six months later, he's being thrown out of town.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, mean that's how
1: quickly this thing turned for Jackson. And I
0: think to me, one of the most interesting things about Jackson, two interesting things about them is he's got Tom Coughlin there, right. who some people would say is kind of a you know an older old-school kind of a guy, but, but a particularly smart and successful guy that Dave Caldwell has the ability to um, involve in all his decisions. Should certainly and, seems like it. He, he, made it, he made it clear that Coughlin's involved too, right? Oh, no, I don't think there's any question about yeah. that. No, there's no question about that at all. So, um, so that working relationship is somewhat unique in the NFL, and I think the Jaguars' situation in that they've um, been sort of the one team that's always been willing to go play the international games mm. is, is unique a little bit in itself too.
1: Yeah, we didn't even touch on that. You're right. There were
0: a lot of other things we could have gotten to,
1: but that trip to to Europe has to be impeding, right?
0: Well, or or have they mastered it? Have they figured out how to do it the right way? There's
1: still new players every year that have to go through that. You've got there's a learning curve for. I mean, think about Nick Foles. Right, Foles has never
0: done. It. But but <laughs> some of it is the way you do it and the procedure, and you know, yeah. I am mean, even to the point where some teams will uh, some teams will leave on a Monday and spend the week there. Some teams will fly on a Thursday. So right. you know they've they've done it more than anybody else. So whether I I don't have their record over there in front of me to know whether they've done it any better than anybody else, or or that may have nothing to do with it. They just may have played better or worse teams when they hmm. played over there. So interesting. A um, lot of lot of challenges and. Uh, and uh, you know Dave, Dave Caldwell. Uh, you know again has learned from some really high level guys. Um, yeah. And and I yeah, don't the, know. The, the, I don't know that that is always given as much um, credence as it used to be. You know, I, I think, think that he so. learned at the foot of Bill Polian. Some people listening to this podcast may think Bill Polian doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he, he knew what he was doing for a long, long yeah, time, but he's wise in the Hall of Fame. You
1: started connecting the dots from Polian to Dimitrov, and, and you know, you're in, you're in a good start there.
0: Dimitrov was really one of the very first sort yeah. of new wave He turned the wheels managers, here. Yeah, he right. was
1: analytics-driven back in the early 2000s. I mean, I, I saw him speak at Sloan Sports Conference, the analytics conference, uberly impressed. I mean, this was early, too. This was five, six years ago, so it was early on in his his uh GM role with the Falcons kind of before they got going and clearly what he did worked so the uh yeah we're going to we're going to keep diving into this a little bit more. I mean, there's going to be plenty more. It
0: certainly sounded like Jacksonville's not done, didn't it? No, D- didn't it doesn't. Didn't it sound
1: like he's got some more opportunities more uh,
0: but opportunities? I thought, it, I thought he said here? a very telling thing that, you know, again, uh, you know, people are screaming for, you need to sign this guy, you need to sign that guy, this guy's available and Dama can sue, we need him, we need him, we need him. Yeah. And, and he said, he goes, y- yep. the scout me says I'd love to add him. The GM says to me I have to make the right decision and I'm not going to give crazy money to a 33-year-old player that I know I'm not likely to get my money's worth out of so that's where i think it's it's interesting the the interesting sort of the 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 two you know the angel and the devil that pop up (laughs) on his shoulder trying to tell him what to do is is very interesting
1: so his uh his roster building is never done and you can continue your roster building as well by the way dynasty owner the first dynasty salary cap sports game that not only plays the game week to week but actual contracts actual salaries giving you the power to be the coach and the general manager. So, a lot of what you learned today, obviously. You don't just trade players for players. There's dynasty owner bucks, dynasty dollars, the, the virtual currency used to play of the game, and it continues on from a yearly basis. Rack up dynasty dollars each week, whether you win or lose, and use them to build a long term dynasty year to year. Your bench players, Count for points, which is great. I love this idea. Yep. I think more, more leagues need to do this. Never,
0: can, never will you have to beat yourself up over not a, playing someone. It's on a, a full
1: a roster effect. It's not just the guys you start. I love this. Dynasty Owner even allows you to exceed the salary cap, go all in, and pay a luxury tax fine just like in the real world. This is the first game to combine week-to-week fantasy sports with long-term ownership and GM strategies. Visit DynastyOwner.com for more.
0: If I'm giving you one Dynasty Owner Jacksonville Jaguars choice, who would you go with? Ooh. There's a little bit of transition Fournette's on their offensive tough. on their offensive weapons. Foles, there isn't there maybe
1: Foles for three years. Uh, boy,
0: yeah, maybe that that
1: chark wide receiver, right? That second rounder they took last year. Yeah. Yeah, he, somebody's
0: going to have to catch some passes there. Who's their tight end going to be? Because we know Nick Foles loves the tight They did just draft ends. a tight
1: end. Third round, I, I believe they just
0: took a tight end. So maybe I mean, that's your guy right there. When Nick Foles played in Philly, it was it was almost always looking to Zach Ertz You're first. You're right. And so. they took a
1: guy that's very Zach Ertz-like, if I remember he, correctly. The San
0: Jose State yeah. guy, maybe? I don't, I, I, all right, that's where I'm leaning. Okay, that's the dynasty you guy go. right there. So, all right, so we thank Dave Caldwell and the Jacksonville Jaguars for letting us get a chance to uh, to dive a little bit into the mind of what a general manager goes through. And uh, we appreciate his time on that one. Uh, Uh, We want to remind you that this SpotTrack.com podcast brought to you by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. We believe in empowering professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about their finances and wealth. To learn more, go to MorganStanley.com slash GSE Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC member SIPC. What are you thinking about for our next version of our typical roundtable SpotTrack podcast?
1: Oh, we've got some, maybe got a, some little baseball, a little change of pace. We'll
0: dive in a little more I, too, basketball. Yeah, maybe right? a little
1: basketball. It's getting to be about that time with the uh, the NBA finals coming up. And we might even uh, dive into the the other side of basketball with the women's world. Uh-huh, so, I know you're doing a little yeah. work
0: on the WNBA, get which there. their season is about to get started it is, here, right? It so, is, so plenty
1: to talk about there. Yeah,
0: and in the next coming weeks, we'll have a Stanley Cup final matchups. So we can dive into a little bit of the numbers there. And I think there's some interesting teams in the final well, we know the final five. We know we know mm-hmm. three of the final four right now. Um, uh, you know, So that'll be interesting to watch as well, too. But again, it is your place for all the information you need to know in the money behind sports, which is no longer behind sports. It is right there, a part of sports. SpotTrack.com and Mike Giannetti is the place for you to go. We thank you for joining us on this edition of the SpotTrack.com podcast.